Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Dr. Kid, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, so it's come to this. So it's come to this. There you go. Mark that time, Ben. So it has come to this. A movie podcast with your hosts, Charlie. And Eric. And Engineer Ben. Engineer Ben's in the house. What's up, Ben? Thank that's you why so we, much. That's why we sound so good We're in right Ben's now. studio. Yeah. Uh, mostly using Ben's gear. And uh, <laughs> we bought him a sandwich and uh, said, don't talk. So that's good. <laughs> no, Not a word. No Mike, so yeah, you'll hear Ben. You'll hear Ben probably yell at us to do things better. Um, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that. Right. Yeah. But uh, we are here yeah. because uh, we're friends who watch a lot of movies. Probably too many movies together. Tons. And uh, we just are uh, bursting at the seams well, to we, share them. We kind of looked over the podcast landscape. We did, and we asked, "Why aren't there any podcasts about movies?" Yeah, like there's none. It was tough. It's to, all true yeah. crime and uh, <laughs> not true. a single movie podcast. We, we want to talk there. about movies, and uh, that seems like revolutionary to say yeah, in 2019. Dearth of movie podcasts, but uh, we do happen to watch uh, a lot of underground movies, a lot of maybe forgotten classics, uh, cult classics, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that range from uh, shot on video. Uh, projects that <laughs> we've take watched 10 probably years. more shot on video than um, anybody we know. Yeah, two two like legitimate, you know, kind of some semi big uh, blockbuster type films sure. that we'll, we'll we'll get into. We so love movies. We like movies. And we have a lot of things to say about them. I guess right. Sometimes, um, occasionally, uh, there's rarely been a movie that I've watched and been like, I have no nothing additional to add to this. Right. This this summed up. Everything. We won't be talking about those movies. No. <laughs> perfectly summed up boom yes. um it. if you don't know us uh i'm charlie i uh make my living writing about art and music and movies for a couple of alt weekly papers in the north bay the bohemian and the pacific sun and uh eric yes i got to know you <laughs> through college radio college radio which um, i did for for as long as they let me keep volunteering exactly it's like a decade <laughs> Uh, well, in started in college, lasted probably into my early thirties, which mm-hmm. I think I've probably been out of college radio for like five or six years now. Oh, has it been that? It's yeah, been that long. You were kind of uh, getting to be like the Rodney Dangerfield. It was uh, the college campus there. The uh, I kept getting older, and the kids kept staying <laughs> the same. It got it got weird. I definitely right. started feeling like the old guy at right. the club. Like I'm 33 and being like, "Let me tell you about new music," and they're exactly. just like, "Who's this guy?" Nobody knows. I'm like, yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, I, I wore out. But my you were the music director there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You basically ran the station for many years, the college radio station. That's yeah. how uh, I got to know you. And you're also a popular blogger in the I wrestling write, world. Uh, I do. I love pro wrestling, and I write daily about pro wrestling with my buddy Phil. We've been. We have. We've had our own blog for like a decade now, called Segunda Caída. Mm-hmm. That's Spanish. If you guys don't know the spelling, Segunda means second, Caída means fall. Uh, it's a Mexican wrestling. And two falls, you're out. Yeah, well, a saying? lot of uh, a lot of lucha matches are best two out of three falls. There you go. So Segunda Caída. Phil used to write a blog 
this was his second blog, so like the second Segunda Canadian. And then he and I have been doing it together for, yeah, like a decade. It's great. We, write, we write uh, daily about pro wrestling in so, all its forms. So you're an expert about many things. Uh, I'm, I, I have dabbled <laughs> I mean, I'm, in tons of things. I'm an expert my, about many things. So you, as, you and I together? To get many, forces combined? Many things. Definitely... Uh, Definitely lesser than the sum of its yeah. uh, parts. But now, <laughs> most of the time when we hang out, we're watching movies, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're watching old horror movies. Uh, we kind of have a, this little film club, I guess you could call yeah, it, we've where never we get together f- every other month or so and spend a day watching movies that we vote on. Yeah, it kind of grew. We've been doing it now for, geez, probably seven or eight years. Yeah. It started as just horror. Definitely. It started as like a in October. It was one of those like, why don't we just get together and watch like a half dozen horror movies. It's like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> and then it's grown into this beast. This yes. this every other month. Uh, not a huge crowd. We get, what, we, typically seven or eight of six, us? Six to eight people. Well, this time was a big, this one was our biggest. Yet, yes. We had Ian and Olivia over. But we have uh, ballots and we vote on things. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, the extensive balloting. And the secret balloting process yes. where everybody turns in their weighted points and yes. uh, then the day is presented to them as we watch it. And then the last few times we've been uh, putting names of character actors, directors, stunt coordinators, makeup effects artists, those kind of people we've been. Right. You've been gathering. I've been, yeah. You've, I don't know how you do this, but you've been <laughs> gathering hundreds of names of these character actors and producers and people. We put them in a hat. We vote on movies that we want to see them in. Yeah, it and was. It's been. It's made for some really crazy eclectic days. So. Well, yeah, because we um we have a few different kind of theme days. There's our horror day. There's our sci-fi day. Both of those we use a big ballot where we just have like 300 movies that we all mm-hmm. rank and vote basically. Uh, but then we've done others like the pick three days where everybody brings three movies, presents them however they want, and then the group votes for which one they want to most see but yeah the the we need to come up with a cool name for the names in cup because i just felt right. like there was all of our tastes tend to skew horror it seems like even when we would do a pick three day where anybody could pick anything we're usually throwing some horror in there it seems like we've had tons of those where the every single movie that gets watched turns out to be a horror movie <laughs> so obviously our tastes skew towards horror and genre film in general and for like the picking names process i just wanted to be like you know i love character actors it's probably my favorite thing in movies is these guys that you show up and everybody recognizes like oh i know i've seen this guy right you've probably seen some of these guys 20 times you don't know their names so we just started collecting these names of guys that are just in a bunch of genre stuff a bunch of cool 70s crime stuff bunch of straight to video 90s stuff just those kinds of people and yeah like you said makeup guys stunt coordinators producers names that we just see pop up in weird stuff yeah and i think we have over 300 names that's insane and we could easily do you realize that is kind of insane it's insane (laughs) and and when i say names in a cup they're literally physically yeah, in a cup. You, you put them. This on is not on a spreadsheet. They're yeah. in a red solo cup in one of my desk drawers. Uh, I printed all these names out at work, and then used the little office slicer. <laughs> time. You know the little vertical Ooh, slice thing to. I love those. To cut all those name tabs that sounds satisfying, up. Satisfying, actually. 
Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Getting paid to do it. Just on the clock, slicing right. up my, my Sybil Dannings. Said, nah, and, I can't finish that project. <laughs> and my Michael Ironsides, you know. But, uh, yeah, so for the last three times, or three out of the last four, I guess. Something like that. Um, we've been pulling names out of the cup a week or so, a week or two in advance. And then everybody in the group just talks about, all right, these are the six names that we're going to watch. Which, What do we want to see from each of these people? Exactly. And I think the results have been, it's become my, my favorite day. And that is exactly what we're going to get into in a second. In a second. Some of those movies. Some of those films. But first, Eric, what have you seen lately? Oh, I've seen a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, we both watch a lot of stuff separately as well. I don't want to get the idea mm-hmm. that we're only watching movies nope. together. This is where we exclusively talk about Bohemian Rhapsody for the next. <laughs> this has now become the Bohemian pod. Here we go. And, uh, is that movie worth seeing? I, I'm on the fence. I haven't seen it yet. I, I've kind of hit this thing with the rock doc where I just... Oh, they're, the, they're awful. I, I, can't, I don't know if I want to see any more of them. Biopics in general are the worst. I mean, if they're interesting, I just... Um... No, Walk Hard killed the biopic. Oh yeah. Once Walk well, Hard came out, biopic. At yeah, least. the music biopic. Yeah. I mean, every other biopic musical made since Walk Hard has just been Walk Hard, but not funny yeah. on purpose. That's right. So it's every other one has just been ruined. Um, but so Bohemian Rhapsody, if it's worth seeing, uh, it is a actual bad movie mm-hmm. that was also fun to watch. Um, and I'm not saying in a so bad it's good way. It's just a lot of the setup of everything is terrible. Right. But it sounds great. It looks cool, and probably worth it just for the um, the uh, Live Aid recreation. Sure. The I've whole the whole movie crests I mean, with like a real mo- time for, for the music. At, mm-hmm. Yeah. If if you else... like the music of Queen, right. probably see it. But the the story itself, every scene is set up in the the worst way uh, yeah it's so bad it's always like and the teeth are just in your face the tooth <laughs> prosthetic is off the wall it is the he has the i, I didn't know they had teeth prosthetics i didn't know going. they made teeth prosthetics yeah. this big and <laughs> freddie mercury was a guy with larger than average teeth and in this movie they're like no <laughs> we're gonna make this guy's teeth Guinness l- like legendary <laughs> this guy's gonna have the teeth and all every time Rami Malek talks, it's just like him talking through a prosthetic, mm. and it sounds like he's got a mouth guard in or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's got his like retainers in, and he's just talking past these humongous teeth, <laughs> and it's awful. And every scene, my favorite scene setup, and this happens like four or so times, is one of the members of Queen walks into the room, and the other four members are like arguing. About like, this idea will never work. (laughs) And the guy's like, we're not a disco band. (laughs) And then the dude plays the like, do, 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 do. And then the guy's like, actually, this might work. And then it just cuts to them playing like another one bites the dust. It's like. And to, to, like the the roaring crowd already. Exactly. They're all. Exactly. So there's like four different songs that's like. That'll never work. And then it's like, well, looks like it worked again. Uh, <laughs> you've done it again. You've done queen. it again, Queen. Uh, and so the whole movie is that. Perfect. 
And but the Live Aid scenes, no joke. So it's basically a real time Live Aid performance. Sure. I think they cut out one or two of the songs, but the Live Aid performance was twenty some minutes. This is like at minimum fifteen minutes. The wow. very last fifteen of the movie is just Live Aid, and I was getting like emotional during it. Mm. This movie that I had been kind of disgusted and annoyed by for an hour and forty five. Here I am, just like seeing this powerful, and it's just like. This is it. Right. This is what music is for. Like right here. And it's just like, what is happening? What is happening to Aww. me? Yeah. So I was, uh, so it is such a, um, an awful movie with very redeeming surface qualities. There you go. So there you go. But, nice. uh, so I hogged a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody time right yeah. there. You apparently had stuff to I say. I apparently had stuff about um, the rap. That makes me think of this movie that I went and saw with Katie with Nick Offerman and he played a dad who was also a songwriter hmm. and uh, now I'm going to have to look up that movie but <laughs> it was kind of that same thing where it was not a very good movie but it had a lot of heart a lot of heart uh, I don't even know if this one had heart Hearts Beat Loud was the name of this <laughs> hearts one beat Hearts Beat Loud <laughs> that's the name of the movie it has and a lot of heart sounds like the worst a father, movie poster quote. A father and daughter <laughs> form an unlikely songwriting duo in the summer before she leaves for college. Um, oh, that sounds awful. But the songs weren't <laughs> terrible. They only play a couple of songs. Tony Collette's in it. Ted Danson's got a small part okay. as like a bartender. Who's the daughter? Uh, someone I've never heard Megan of. Megan Mullally. Kiersey Clemens, <laughs> who was in Dope and maybe Bad Neighbors 2 or Neighbors 2. Is it Clarence Clemens' daughter? From the E Street Band, it's gotta be, got absolutely, gotta be, one hundred percent going. Not to a lot of Clemens in there, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, okay. So that's that was <laughs> because the thing is with a, a music movie like that, it's like it can be bad, but if the music's good and you buy into it, yeah, it's gonna work. And Bohemian Rhapsody makes it sure thing that you don't buy into any of it. Yeah, every all of this stuff happened the way they presented it seems like none of this stuff happened. Right. Because it's like, well, that's... no Nobody would think this. And then, oh, oh apparently it worked. Boy, <laughs> nothing could go wrong for Queen. Um, you know, except one major thing. <laughs> Until that thing goes wrong at the end. <laughs> except, <laughs> except a big... Uh, uh, spoiler alert. There's Anyways. a big twist <laughs> at the end. Apparently the only nothing twist can that... Go nothing can go wrong. Uh, yeah, I, that's perfect. He did. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Good. No, I brought it up. I, I'm the one who made you talk about it. I knew what uh, I was getting myself into. We've seen some other stuff recently, though. Um, yeah, we both ended up seeing at the same theater on different nights, Bumblebee. Yeah, we went separately to the same place. Which already it seems like we're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody and Bumblebee. Like this, this is where is we're the, starting. But I, Charlie did start off like we're, a lot of our stuff's pretty underground. Pretty underground. You guys heard of this Bumblebee under the. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty. Uh, so Bumblebee's a trans former. Yeah, it's a trans was a line of toys in the eighties uh, that got popular. No, um, I thought that movie again had a lot of heart, had some good action. It felt like a Transformers movie in a way that the Michael Bay ones never really did. Um, I really liked it. I did too. I really. I just want to prove we're not snobs. No, before we get this is into... a lot of like we're real guys that watch hey, all we, the movies. We watch the movies. All yeah, right? when they come out, we go on and, and watch them. We when, are real. When we can. Uh, Bumblebee was a lot of fun. I, I liked everything they did with it. Um, I have zero frame of reference into the Transformers universe. Oh, you weren't a you weren't a T former guy. Not a. Tra- I had That's what we called them. 
Kids call them T-forms. We call them tea, the T-formers. Oh, you, you guys got some You didn't talk to that? No. <laughs> Nobody invited me to the T-form parties. I've, I owned uh, two or three Transformers. I had this like orange semi-truck. Maybe it's a famous one. I have no idea. An or- that sounds like a knockoff of maybe the Maybe I had one. a knockoff <laughs> Optimus Prime. Optimus, <laughs> Optimus Subprime. <laughs> Alphamus uh, prom <laughs> yeah. or something, yeah. Bait, Betamus, uh, yeah. Maybe it was just put out by the Peterbilt Corporation as a... Uh, that very well could was, be, yeah. It was from the AAA travel brochure. Get this transmorpher. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. So I had, I had like a couple Transformers toys and a, a Transformers toothbrush caddy. Oh yeah, you gotta have the cat. My dad's a dentist, and so we would get oh. we would get. Ooh, you got all the dental. We swag. got dental swag sent to us. Like there was a Spider-Man comic book that was put out by Butler. Oh dang! The the toothbrush company Butler. And oh, it was, I'm familiar oh, with <laughs> Butler. <laughs> Please, I'm not just a smile bright guy. I know my Butler. And my oral B. I was into Butler from about 94 to 98. Yeah, that was a good time and then for Butler. It dropped off. No, yeah. that was a good Butler era. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we would get, yeah, there was like a Spider Man comic that was made for dentists to give out to like kids that weren't awful after their appointment, <laughs> you know, the toy drawer kind of thing. But yeah, so I, I never watched this Transformers cartoon. I never saw the movie. I never saw the new movies, the live action ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen essentially no transformers so i'm coming into this mostly blind to bumblebee so for a movie that i'm unfamiliar entirely with the franchise i went in a little bit skeptical but saw that the reviews were good and i just really liked it i loved the aesthetics of all of it it's set in the 80s set in 87 i did not know that and i like that yeah yeah i didn't didn't know it until you told me makes sense um because it is a prequel to apparently other Star Transformers. Stuff. Oh, are we saying that it's connected to the Bay ones? But I don't know. Pre- I, I couldn't I tell maybe you. Maybe it's a reboot. It situation. could be. I've never seen the Bay ones, so it could be a Damn. prequel. It could be a reboot. I don't know. God, we'll never know. But so they do a couple of things that are um, annoying in '80s movies, but kind of always bring a smile. Where they they make every character a little too '80s, but they don't do it much. Right. They don't do it much. This right. isn't like a. Wasn't it funny when we used Rubik's cubes? Like they don't do that. But there's a couple of little moments, like where she pours herself a bowl of Mr. T cereal, and it's like nobody ate Mr. T cereal, right? Like I ate Cheerios, I ate Rice Krispies. <laughs> like the cool touch would have been getting just an old 1987 box of Cheerios. Yeah, being like this feels like nobody ate Mr. T cereal. Something somebody found out about it once the internet existed, and they're like Mr. T cereal, and then. Yeah. So now it's like, ha ha ha! It's funny because it's 1987, and that's what idiots ate. <laughs> but it's awful. And so they, but they don't do a lot of that. There's not a lot. I thought they did okay with it. Yeah, they had the stepdad Ron was a very. Ron, like, I thought Ron was a great. Was a very good, like, uh, helpful. Like, I want to be helpful, stepdad character. Um, he wanted to be cool, stepdad. Yeah, exactly. Wanted to be. Cool. I'd only and I'd only seen that guy. He was like the one of the gals' crushes on Broad City. Oh, okay. like the, he I was like the neighbor that Abby had a major crush on for right. for the first couple seasons. But I thought as goofus stepdad, who's like telling his metal stepdaughter to smile more and stuff, right. I was pretty into Ron. Nice. And Pamela Adlon was the mom. Yeah. But the whole movie hinges on Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Who 
Oscar-nominated actress, I believe. I mean, it's a, I, it made me really want to go back and watch uh, True Grit, yeah. which I think is a really like, almost like a lost Coen Brother classic that kind of just came out in the middle of a bunch of other Coen Brother classics mm-hmm. and then got kind of ignored. Um, yeah, a lot of those... Go, we've talked about this before, how one. a lot of those movies from like 09 to 2011 yeah. seem to have just now gotten like... They were big at the time and now they've completely gotten passed over. And maybe it's maybe people just move on from things quicker now. I have no idea what the new nostalgic films are going to be. Right. But this Bumblebee feels like one. It, could it felt be. like like an eighties. I feel like an eighties classic. I feel like it had thing. a pretty disappointing uh, box office. I don't think it really. Oh, really? I don't think a lot of people actually did go see it. But huh. uh, we'll see. Well, that I mean, that if there's more that gives more it a cult come. status. Yeah, it's probably there. more of a cult status. But, but since the bulk of this movie is Haley Steinfeld acting opposite a green screened fake robot, that's gotta be so hard. It's gotta be insanely difficult. And she's in this movie for eighty five percent of it, mm-hmm. and she's so good. And the movie has a lot of really tiny, subtle touches that, like attentions to detail, that I wasn't really expecting. That doesn't sound big when I'm gonna describe it, but watching it, <laughs> it helped it feel like a thing. Felt like it felt like a natural movie. There's one scene where she was kind of standing slightly in front of car form Bumblebee, mm-hmm. and then he transforms into man form, <laughs> and he kind of like nudges by her a little bit as he transforms, and so she's just standing there, and you see her like kind of right side of her body get bumped forward a little bit but not so much to be dramatic about Mm -hmm. it. It's like, did they just know that they were going to have Bumblebee standing too close to her? Or did she have a shoulder twitch? And they're like, we got to write this in. She twitches for no reason. Make Bumblebee (laughs) just bump into her or something. So they did a lot of that stuff, which was like pretty cool CGI detail work. It looked good. Yeah. And you could actually kind of make sense of what was going on in the action, which is a big thing with the bay ones if you haven't you haven't seen them so but those are just these kaleidoscopes of of movement that you really have no idea what's going on when you watch those yeah, that's action my, sequences that's why so. I, I hate modern cgi because it just feels like a wash of like i have no idea where anybody is at right now right i have no idea how far they just fell i have no like any of those things are just people colliding into each other yeah just like or yeah, just those disaster movies where you have ninety buildings falling at once, and you're just like, "This is just a blur." Yeah, this is crazy. It's a blur. I can't see anything right here, and so I'm really happy that hey, I can't see anything. I can't see over anything here. over here. Hey. I'm watching the big screen. <laughs> I love. <Too> loud. <laughs> <laughs> I love that most of the movie is not that, mm-hmm. which is probably part of the reason why I've not seen any of the Transformers movies. But this one is really more of like. It's like a coming of age kind of thing. And I the movie's really smart about how it builds its characters and builds to its climax. And it doesn't fall into a lot of the same stuff that's been done. Mm-hmm. Namely, uh, there's like a, not a romance angle, but there's a boy who has a crush on Charlie. Sure. The girl is yeah. Charlie. Points also. for, points for the, the only reason Charlie, Charlie dug it. Yeah. Really helped, put him in, really helped put him book. into the movie. I was like, hey, I'm Charlie. I'm a Charlie. Wait a minute. I can relate to this. I'm but, an 18-year-old girl. So I love that she, throughout the whole movie, just friend zones this kid. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole time. 
Like, he has this huge crush on her. He works at some other place at the boardwalk and is watching her at the hot dog on a stick. And every time he tries to talk to her, she just immediately is just like, oh, yeah, uh, can't talk right now. <laughs> and he's immediately just like, well, okay, most of the time cool. she's got a transformer in her back. Sure, yeah, there's something. a lot like of robot hiding. Keep, yeah, she's that trying to she keep needs. this thing under wraps. But the whole movie, every time he's clearly trying to advance things to uh, the next level, he's she so just awkward. knocks him back down. Yeah. Like, she even gives him, like, a kiss on the cheek. Oof. And she's like, mm. and then he's like, did you kiss me? And she's like, well, on the yeah, cheek. Yeah. And he's like, in the saddest, most relatable. It's sad <laughs> because I get it. He's like, still counts. Still counts. It's like, oof. Dear diary. Yeah, it's that, yeah. Still I A girl said hi to me. Like, oh, gosh. And even right to the end of the movie, they still, this girl's just like, Look, we're like 18. Let's not. This isn't <laughs> exactly. going to be a thing. Exactly. Like, we're neighbors. There's a proximity thing. But now I have a. I can drive now. Right. So, I've yeah. I got this transformer. This transformer here. So. <laughs> to keep me busy. You know, it, it was good. nice. We yeah. had a fun adventure. Yeah. We saved. He's a good kid. We saved the Autobots. Um, and I got to say, hashtag feminism. Oh, boy. Picture this movie made in the 80s. There's no chance. This whole movie would be carried by a girl. Like, yeah. There's, I, I, any kind of cl- this felt to me. This felt very much like a classic '80s adventure that I would have watched, you mm-hmm. know, from the video store. And all those were about like boys in jeans and like cool jackets. Yes. That, like all this cool stuff happens to. And this whole movie, she carried the whole thing. She was great. And uh, the only other like Night of the Comet mm. is. Right. The two girls, two sisters. Um, other than that, it's like all those movies seemed like they were made with boys as the main guy. Boy working on cars, boy it's about time, building a robot, say. and here we go. And it, I can't imagine here, it being here. any better. This was such a great casting job for Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, you love this movie. I, lo- <laughs> I was... You got a crush on Bumblebee. I, uh, it was such a pleasant, like... Because it got good reviews, yeah. but there's... Tons of movies that get good reviews that it's just like, well, that was yeah, that was lousy. It was better than average. It and was, this yeah. one totally delivered the kind of genre movie that I'm into. There you go. Like this is the perfect kind of movie to go to my budget theater on yes. a th- yeah and see it like with three seventy five. That three seventy five big screen, nobody else in the theater. Yeah, and me and Rachel are just soaking in Bumblebee. It was just it was really fun. <laughs> nice. I would heartily Bumblebee recommend soak the it bee. in <laughs> this shot on video low budge. All right, we're gonna flick. get to some actual let's uh, get to this underground movies. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. Yeah, and then we'll be right back. So it's come to this again. Uh, so it's come to this. <laughs> so it's come to this. Yep. Welcome back. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We are here talking about movies, and uh, we just talked about some new movies. Now we're going to talk about some old movies. If you remember, we drew names out of a hat. Yeah. And we decided our... what movies of those names, directors, writers, actors, special effects guys, what movies of those people do we want to watch? And then we uh, did a little back and forth online discussions. Yeah, some big. We had a forum, ever expanding reply all emails. Uh, the first name that we drew, uh, and the first name that we watched, I'll say at least, was director, producer, writer Gary Sherman. Yeah, um, he seemed like. Talk to me about why Gary Sherman made it into the hat. He, 
there was a lot of people that I targeted for our for our selection for our sample, right? Uh, that seemed to be exclusively genre based. Like there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of directors who an early movie is a horror movie, and then they don't do any of that for the rest of their career. Or right. same with actors. There's a right. lot of women who started in slashers. They do what they got to do until they get and the then, good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas there's people like Gary Sherman who clearly love uh, B-movies. They clearly love genre work. And they're just going to keep working to make and release more genre stuff. And so that turns into horror sequels. Like he did Poltergeist 3. Um, yes. Which I nominated for yes, this. For which sure. I would have happily watched. I would um, have been very into Poltergeist. 3. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I really would be down to watch it at some point because the cast alone um, is like Tom Skerritt, Nancy Allen, uh, a young Laura Flynn Boyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, pre you got my Twin Peaks, Wayne's World, and then Heather O'Rourke and Zelda Rubenstein coming back as their characters from the first and second Poltergeist. And second, yeah, um, and well, there's with everything you know about Heather O'Rourke. Um, the movie is. Tr- Poltergeist 3 is troublesome just because Heather O'Rourke is literally dying during yes. the filming of this movie. And there's some scenes where she just, they can't hide how unwell she looks. Yeah, and that's So bad. that's weird. That's weird. So um, I guess I guess that was probably the reason why that one did not get voted. We didn't watch, I think it, we didn't want to watch the 10 to what, 12 year old girl. want a 12 year old girl dying. On her deathbed. Yeah. Um, a lot of people hate Zelda Rubenstein in the group. She's a, She's really? a con- no, no, nobody hates Zelda Rubens. She She's like the most beloved. Uh, no, I was <laughs> pretending that's why it didn't get watched. I'm never voting for anything with Rubenstein in it. Uh, no, she's a treasure. She's wonderful. You got me. You got um, me. That's a get. Market. No, I think Charlie it, got got. So since we <laughs> since we farm out the movie selections, like here's the name Gary Sherman. What is? I think one of the main rules I have is like if it's on their IMDb page, yes, it's fair game. We're going by IMDb. Yeah, and so that means these, technically, if we get to that, this person could have been thanked in the credits of some movie, Absolutely. and then it's like, well, this guy was obviously an inspiration right. for this movie. So. He's he's thanked in The Wicked Hollows and Munger Road. This Gary Sherman. There you go. Munger you heard Road. Of him? Nope. He plays himself in a couple of documentaries. So there you go. He's miscellaneous in Sudden Terror. And he's visual <laughs> he's effects missile. as well on Poltergeist 3. Oh, so there you go. Boom. But uh, for the most part, so far in these votings, people tend to stick to, like, main work from these people. Um, celebrated works. Celebrated Th- things works, Things that yeah. are, like, he's known for mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so I think once the emails started going around, I know you mentioned uh, Poltergeist 3, but Dead and Buried seemed to be the one that, like everybody yes. mentioned. Like, if we watch something with him, this would be my it seemed like that was coming up as And that was it. That a, was that was the first movie that we watched the other day in this uh mar- mini marathon that we did. Nineteen eighty one's Dead it's a, and Buried. It's a full marathon. We're it there was, for like eleven hours. Yeah. All right. We're all right, we're we're, we're ridiculous. I think we should try to do a twenty four hour situation at some point. Oh everybody just to go insane. People are such but weenies. That's another it's easy story. for me. I would have no problem with that. So Dead and Buried is a uh eighty one? Early eighties, yeah, eighty one. Mm-hmm. It uh it's a great suspenseful horror movie that's uh, set in a small town a small yeah. coastal town yeah which, which again i uh, think this was also i was gonna say another one that they filmed in uh, northern yeah. california it takes place in new england technically 
in the movie they say it's a New England thing. Yeah, I think but, our our earliest dorky conversation, I think, when the movie started was. It might have been me. It might have been somebody else. You where were it's set in New England, and then it's like this feels more like a Pacific coast. It was than yeah. an Atlantic. It's coast. a very foggy movie throughout. Mm-hmm. It's foggy indoors. It's yeah. foggy outdoors. It's, it's foggy in ton cars. Of smoke machines in this. Movie. Yeah, there's a lot of fog going on, and uh, I love it. Actually. Yeah, one one of my favorite things in horror. Uh, is fog. as a subgenre. <laughs> <is> fog. <laughs> you pump some fog into a room, and I'm. Mwah. my hand yeah <laughs> set hook line sinker uh no i love movies set in a small town where somebody's not in on the secret oh yes we're like there's a there's whole a, bunch of people bad thing going down yeah right and a lot of people in this town know about it and some people don't yes and so that's kind of part of dead and buried but dead and buried was uh we watched the beautiful blu-ray from oh. Blue Underground, yes, uh, which was William Lustig's uh, oh okay. media company, Blue Underground release, Blue Underground, nice. which has been uh, a staple of a lot of you know. Our I kind of that's almost like something I want. I, I would love to do a segment on these shows where we highlight someone who's releasing movies like that. Yeah, because there's a lot of these cool little production well, I mean, companies. Lust- Lustig is one of the names in he's, our cup. <laughs> oh, for sure, <laughs> he's absolutely. in there. Oh, and he'll be a guest on this show I at hope some so. point. Yeah. Um, because he Frequent comes up Sonoma this Coney, yeah. uh, We know him. Uh, I moderated a Q&A with Lustig at the right. last Silver Scream. You've had lunch with him. I've had to, yeah. So he's, guys, he's an awesome dude. Guys, come on. We're vetted but, here. So yeah, he, he, was in, <laughs> he was in charge of the, the Blu-ray release, awesome. and it looked great. That's, he really but, nailed the fog, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> he nailed, he nailed <laughs> He got it. The fog popped. It, that movie was fog hazy popped, as no. hell. <laughs> yeah. But this movie felt like such a different tone than a lot of other yes. early 80s horror that we've watched and we've watched a lot of this era horror movies. absolutely yeah this is a main and, go-to for us yeah the movie doesn't have a lot of like names in it like guys you'd know their name but the main guy i think james farentino, farentino. he kind of has a uh starsky and hutch vibe the brunette totally. uh, member, uh, I got Starsky, yeah, John, John Michael Glazer. So he kind of has him that guy's vibe, and he is our town sheriff, exactly. Who clearly Dan. not in on the secret, yes, that this town has, and the town coroner, who one of our guests Sean pointed out, kind of had the revelation, is the grandpa from Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. Grandpa Joe. Uh, that's Jack Albertson. Jack Albertson. I didn't. I didn't recognize him, even though it wasn't that far after. Well, when you really start like hearing his voice, you mm-hmm. definitely once, recognize. It's him. one of the things. Once you know, yes, you know. Uh, he plays William G. Dobbs, the coroner. So this is a small town, and and this movie kind of opens up in this really cool um, kind of. Uh, you don't see it coming because it starts out with this guy who's just kind of stops at a beach. He's taking photographs. A woman approaches him. Yeah. She's being flirty. Feels like a like a Goddard, and movie they spend or a long time. It feels like a long time yeah. of this guy and this girl just kind of flirting, and he's taking pictures of her, and she takes off her blouse, and then on a dime, this thing turns, and all of a sudden, there's five, six dudes around yeah. him, grizzly, like the hell like out of him. sailor types, like yeah. they're wearing their uh, just real their cable knit sweaters and beanies, fresh off the dock. They got like crowbars and pipes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they came to play. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they end up tying this guy up. Dumping gasoline on him. You can guess the rest. Yeah. That's the opening of the the movie. The first nine minutes of the movie 
are this guy flirting on a beach yeah. with this woman and snapping photos. She takes. Her top and I think off even people and... people in our group were kind of like, "Is this uh, what? Is yeah, this, what this is doing? not what I expected?" Yeah. yeah. So it's like nine of it the lures first ten you minutes, into yeah. this false sense yeah. of uh, of fun and and lightheartedness yeah. almost. And then the last minute of these first ten minutes <laughs> is a man being burned to death Pretty after shocking. beating with crowbars. And it's just like, oh, this is dead and buried. Pretty shocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is what it's doing. It's dead and buried. And, yeah, the movie has, uh, as these movies tend to go, or yes. you know, there's victim after victim. So you have new people coming into the town or passing through town. And I love the kind of scene. I think there's a family that drives into the town, and they're lost because yes. it's foggy. Super foggy here. It, guys, like, I cannot overstate how foggy this movie if is. there's one thing that I can tell, <laughs> if there's one note about Dead and Buried. It's almost like the fog is a character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And we're done. All right, enough of me. But, uh, and so I love the new family comes to town. Oh, well, let's stop for directions. And I love that moment in these kind of movies where they walk into a place and it's like, we don't belong in this place. Yes. But I can't just turn around and run back to my car, lest they think that I'm disrespecting them. So they walk into this diner, and it's everybody that we've already seen that just beat the hell and burned to death yes. this man. Yeah, they're bad people. We know that. Robert England is one of them. Robert, a young Robert young, England. Yeah, Robert England's yeah. one of them. Barry Corbin. Who's on stuff like Northern Exposure, like so some guys, right? right. But uh, yeah, they're all just sitting around. They're wearing their com- you know, their their commercial whaling gear. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know yeah, how to guys, describe their fashion since this. Leave, coastal leave it town. at the dock. I don't. Yeah, but I love those. And the, this movie handled it so great because the scene was really drawn out, and this dad's uncomfortable, and the people are being pleasant, but in kind of a weird way that these small town secret kind of people act right like everything they're saying sounds nice but there's something underhandedly sinister about the way she's saying there's a great she's like the small town waitress mm-hmm. you know oh yeah i think josh said midge? she had midge was it midge midge hey midge how about that co- midge. Where's that? Co- how's that coffee midge yeah yeah midge the the hey, diner waitress coming, and she's got that hair that looks like uh Oh, like Dracula in yeah. Bram Stoker's Gary Oldman's yeah. Dracula. His puffy yes. Mr. Burns yes. hair. Oh, She's got time. like that great hair, but you know, like a waitress would wear. As you would. Yeah. And uh, in a small New England town. So in this New England town, these basically all these townsfolk just capture passers through, mm-hmm. murder them in increasingly horrible ways. <laughs> and Not subtle. then these people start reappearing back in the town's population like suddenly these people have been absorbed by the town yes there's like a bum that's where things get interesting an epically drunk hobo this guy is one of the great performances yeah never witnessed a man this drunk but this guy gets five minutes to slur and sing four bars of some old standard for, you know like guys just guys just like rift that guy's for five never, minutes yeah nobody's ever spent more time in a boat than that guy we no. know that much about oh, his character just in a boat but all the deaths like so the guy that's burned to death the first i think yes as much as i was already into the movie the first real crowd pop moment of this movie was this burn victim the cops are checking him out and then it turns out 
the guy's still alive. Oh yeah. So they're all there was standing a great around. Scream there. Yeah. yeah, and they're poking and prodding, and then the guy's like upside down, hanging, and then yeah. just this burnt mouth drops open, screams, and then the scene cuts off mid-scream. Yeah, that's a great moment. And so yeah, so I love this guy's back in the the hospital. Yes. Covered in bandages except for one eye. Uh-huh. His mouth is open and one eye is uncovered by bandages. And you know something. Can I tell you something about that? Go, this go this would be this would be yeah, the yeah. part of the this would be the part where I talk about Stan Winston. Mm. Um, yeah, Stan Winston did the did the Stan Winston did the special effects uh which was a lot of the gore, but uh, I was reading on the IMDb trivia that that figure in the full body cast was a dummy that they made up. Oh. That's not a guy in so there. So all the body in there. It was a mechanical dummy built by Winston. And uh, if you guys have seen Dead and Buried, there's a great scene where the woman on the beach comes into the room mm-hmm. dressed as a nurse and then finishes the job. And the way yeah. they do it got the real big reaction yeah. out of the crowd. That was, uh, if you... I will say like, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it's like, whoa, people people freaked out. People if you've out. Uh, if you picked up that I said that his one eyeball his was one eye not is the only thing you covered see covered by bandages. Yeah, I love that stuff. So yeah, pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty grisly. But yeah, Stan Winston, uh, who's one of the most famous effects and makeup guys in genre history absolutely uh so once his name pops up in the opening credits you know you see dan o'bannon in the writing credits you see stan winston on creature effects and it's like okay i can see why people enjoy dead and buried yeah um it it doesn't seem to be one that got the lifelong love that that the other you know stan winston movies get but it's one that i've heard about for a long time. Yes. But then haven't actually seen until now. But again, now. it is it's a bit more of a slow burn. It's it's a, it is. it's suspenseful. You're you're um getting a lot of red herrings, you're getting a lot of um I, you know, people were like, I think it's this guy, I think he's in on it. I think Yeah. The whole know, time I kept we were thinking switching the corners, back and forth the good guy, the, the bad guy because you don't want to believe that Grandpa Joe can be the bad guy. Right. Well, the whole time some people are from the beginning in this town acting very suspiciously right and a bunch of them you've seen actual yeah (laughs) very suspiciously the way they burn bodies to 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 not death yes um to barely but there's a lot of tertiary characters like the guy who runs the boarding house or the dispatch woman at the police station that are acting very normal but then you keep wondering well but what if they're just people that are better at acting normal than the other people. And so you don't know who's in on it. You don't know who knows the secret, who doesn't know the secret. Yeah. And I do want to talk in some depth about the ending. Okay. Because I think it's spectacular. But it is the the crux of the movie. So if somebody is being persuaded to watch this movie by us, I don't want... I'd rather you not know yeah how this movie wraps it's, it's up it's a tough yeah exactly because i i know what you mean it's i don't think i really so would have skip ahead about what four four or five minutes here 10 uh, to 10 to 30 10 minutes <laughs> should do know. it uh, um but yeah the ending of this movie is definitely the uh, it's worth it it best. makes the whole movie yeah. i mean the movie's good but like yeah. charlie said there is slow burn to this thing it is kind of a claustrophobic movie with all the fog Oh, and you're only guys, set in really so like much so much. Oh my god, the fog in so this much movie! Fog. You don't even believe it. They should make Indoors. a movie about the fog. Mm, nah, I don't, never I don't see it. It would never work. I don't see it. 
Um, so I do want to talk about the ending because the payoff for everything, the way this movie wound itself up and then kind of slowly unraveled itself mm-hmm. was actually really great. And it's the movie should get more credit than it probably does get. But yeah, like you mentioned, so everybody that hasn't seen this movie, but is planning on seeing it, jump ahead, spoiler jump ahead a little spoiler. bit because all the spoilers. It's, it's a 35 year old um, movie or something. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Ooh, I've been waiting 37 years to see dead and buried, but like, no, don't tell me. No. Um, but so this cop has been getting increasingly like confused and he has no idea. His wife in the movie, well, he's trying to solve these murders. Yeah. He's trying to solve all these new murders. Everybody's yeah. in it. He's making no headway. His wife is acting weirder and weirder. He finds hidden under like one doily in her dresser, a whole book on like Satanism <laughs> and the occult. <laughs> yeah. Um, a total, she wanted him. To yeah. Find a total, how to cook for 40 humans. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> moment with the dagger and everything. Yeah. Right? Uh, Satan. Yeah. He's like, why do you have the? Why do you have the book? Oh, she's a teacher. So, oh, I'm going to teach my students. Why do you have the dagger? Why do you have you this the sacrificial dagger? dagger? <laughs> no, it's part oh, of the thing. I'm trying to get into the mood, honey. Yeah, and, kids uh, love daggers. So the the cop keeps getting put into more and more situations where he's really having to like, if he wants to believe a certain way, he's getting harder and harder for him to deny. Yeah, something he's to awful. Lose it a little yeah, bit, he's losing it. And he's honestly. not sure. Not sure what's going That's what on. Comes down to and Grandpa Joe. What was the actor's name again? It was Jack Albertson. Jack Albertson. I couldn't honestly say it. I'm sure I have seen him in other stuff other than Willy Wonka. But he's just looks he's a kind old man. And he's the coroner. And this movie, every scene this coroner is in, he jumps back and forth between being like, nah, this guy's on the good side. Mm-hmm. Back to like, this guy is definitely on the bad side. And the movie I think effectively ping pongs the allegiances with with uh, this coroner. And so before we get to the ending, I wanted to talk about a very Stan Winston scene. Okay. Which... Oh, yeah. These movies, we talked about it while we were watching it. These movies, horror movies and slashers, really... It's a joke that they didn't get more, like, Academy Award nominations for effects. And it's got to be because the Academy's like, look... We're not going to tell old people to go watch Dead and Buried. Right. Like, just because the makeup is good. Right. Like, by the time uh, American Werewolf came along, it got, it became impossible to ignore that, like, okay, this is amazing. We have to give this an Oscar for for Rick Baker. But Dead and Buried was, I think, a year, year or two before American Werewolf, and they weren't really honoring makeup achievements. They did visual effects, but not makeup. Mm-hmm. But there's this stand. So things like The Thing didn't get an Oscar nomination for makeup, which is like The Thing is right. astounding. Just the amount of a masterclass, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is like every trick anybody could ever learn in <laughs> how to make effects makeup is there for the whole movie. And Dead and Buried had a lot of that too. And there's this scene where you see Stan, it had to be this huge, it probably took 10 months. Right. Where the coroner basically rebuilds a woman and you see her from her burnt up husk basically yes. get like remade up and built up and add layers and layers. And you see this kind of uh, time lapse photography of the, of this yes. woman being rebuilt. And then it just keeps getting crazier <laughs> until I have 
no idea how they did some of these effects. Because then it does a pretty hard close-up on the woman's face. And it doesn't look like a dummy. Mm-hmm. There's a dummy later in the movie for one of the kills. Definitely. Which is obviously a dummy. The guy that gets acid. Dumped right. into his yeah, yeah. mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly a fake. I don't think they really dumped acid in that guy's I mouth. I don't think a guy got acid dumped in his mouth. <laughs> I didn't fully buy it. But this woman's face, it doesn't look like a prosthetic head. Right. It looks like this It looks woman. like a woman laying there. Yeah. And But the doctor's like probing under her eyelids. Right, like she had no eyeballs. She had no eyeball in, in the socket closest to the camera. Mm-hmm. And she, this doctor like peels back her eyelid and inserts an eyeball into this person. And the woman's not moving. So it's not like I, I have no, it looked incredible. Yeah. I have no idea how they pulled this off. It, probably a dummy that just looked really really yeah, good yeah the, but the like the woman looked real the flesh yeah. looked real the face looked real well, and, like, then, and then they pan up uh, away from the body and then pan down I think of the same shot and you see her sit up because uh-huh. she's now she does like a sit up from the side angle yeah this movie's kind of a cool like it's a zombie movie but kind of in the voodoo tradition yeah. a bit it's and like voodoo it's Frankenstein it's, it's got a Frankenstein vibe but it's also got kind of like a invaders um, oh sure body snatchers body snatchers body snatchers time. vibe because these people are being taken and then they're returned and as they're you know, pod people part of the thing yeah so back. it's got all of that stuff kind of working together for it which is what's really cool and but again you never really know what is happening no and even at this very end part that the, we're at when you learn even that the guy's wife is is a pod person and uh, everybody's a pod person yeah you well, still believe the you and the sheriff you know you're, you're watching this from the sheriff's point of view and he's yeah. he still a, are with him believing he's exactly this person against all odds and there's uh, nothing the movie has shown you up to this point that the sheriff is an unreliable narrator right you feel like you are just as confused as him <laughs> you know it's very confusing you know some of the you know some information that he doesn't know but right even knowing that information we none of us knew what was coming none of us figured out this town's secret and so you can imagine how lost this guy is so he finds out his wife is a person but this movie culminates in i think an incredible final 20 minutes where it is revealed Spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. Still the, spoiling, That guys. not only is the coroner, Grandpa Joe, in on the whole thing. Orchestrating the whole thing. He is orchestrating yeah. every portion of this town. Yeah. You find out in one of the most total, I, I don't want to swear, but I think mindfuck <laughs> is what the only way I can picture this, is this guy is reanimating corpses that only have a two to three week shelf life. Yeah. So he has to keep touching them up in giving them new memories. And so he's basically made his own weird little coastal town filled with fake dead people who rehearse scripts that he's given to them <laughs> only. And so you're wondering like, wait, so why is this? Who hired the sheriff? Why is this guy here? Why is he just repeat? And then it's revealed the sheriff is his best creation. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody but You're, the yeah, they're yeah. all dead. Then you, you, the final reveal is the sheriff's fingers are all mangled looking. Yeah, he's, he's decomposing. Says, "Let me touch those up for you," or something along those lines. Uh-huh. And, yep, and, and that's so it. that's when you realize that 
the movie's not just a gore zombie movie. It's this freaking memento type situation yes. where a coroner is playing with dead bodies, but not just playing with dead bodies. And this guy has the power of reanimation and voodoo, <laughs> but he's not just like... Call it black magic. Oh, there is a... <laughs> Call it science. <laughs> I'll take it to my grave. <laughs> that is a great... Is that a kind of good... closing? That was really good. Was that, that was a good, like a closing uh, soliloquy of this uh, corner. But then you start dealing with these layers where, like, so wait a minute, these bodies got to be redone every two to three weeks. Seems so like a lot of work. A lot honestly. of work. Yeah. I mean, the town appears to only have about twenty people in it, but True. still. But they'll take any. It, but it's like, why do they keep getting more people? Why yeah. do they have to keep killing more people <laughs> and adding them to the town? This is just more work. They've got like, well, we need a gas station attendant, so mm-hmm. uh, go kill that photographer, and we'll bring him in. Yeah, nobody's been running the station. It's, yeah, it's like, does do people retire? And yeah. the, he's like, just let oh, me die. Gotta fill that uh, house. So there, there's this, there's this kind of tender humanity to it, where his wife is kind of like begging. For death. Yes. So then you start running like, oh my God, these people like can feel that they're being reanimated, but they have no control over it. Right. But then... Or somehow she like comes to her senses or is able to come to her senses at some point. And so so it starts unraveling these actually great complex layers and you start thinking, I've been thinking about this all week since we watched it. Absolutely. So that means this this coroner is reanimating a sheriff every couple weeks. Yeah. And or so, just a guy who he's telling him he's uh, is a sheriff. a sheriff, right? It could be anything like that. You know, this guy was probably just a tourist, like anyone else. Sure, he was passing through town. Yeah, stopped for a burger, <laughs> and then ended up in this awful loop. So it becomes this <laughs> Groundhog nightmare. Day nightmare. Yeah, where there was even a great line where the coroner says, "Like, oh, how I love our chess chess yeah, matches." It's a little, it's a game for him where he, he gives this guy specific memories, and he's sending this cop who like you just pointed out might have never even been a cop on these wild goose chases yeah only to discover at the end of this awful time of his life that he's dead and he's been (laughs) everybody's dead and it's like this guy's having to redo like every week i hope it's like a like a dark city thing where he just changes up everybody's role every time totally and like the next time through town, the guy who's the gas station attendant's the sheriff, and he's the gas station attendant, and yeah, they just like screw it. But I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's what I would do. I, I didn't even I'm not think gonna of stick to roles. I'm not going to be sure. like, well, he's all he's this guy's the best librarian. Oh, once you, I'm sure the power of reanimation is very exciting at first, <laughs> and then it just gets I could a see little it going to my head. old. I honestly could see yeah. controlling people. Oh, yeah. with voodoo, black magic, kind of kind of going to the old noggin. But yeah, I I'd never seen Dark City. That's a great comparison. I hadn't I hadn't even thought of that to compare it to, but totally. But the fine the reveal is only part of what makes the ending so great. The whole setup of all the shots is spectacular. Yes. Because this sheriff is shown this video of all the townspeople. We we haven't even talked about the cameras. The whole t- right. the whole time all oh, these God. murders are taking place, oh, yeah. all the murderers are like taking Polaroids and yes. snapshots of the murders as they happen, which is very creepy. Yeah, you're just seeing a you're seeing people swarm somebody, and half the crowd's just taking pictures of the person they're swarming. 
Swarming is horrifying. That's the last thing I want to see yeah. in my life. It's just a group of people over me taking pictures of me. Yeah, as, the, as, <laughs> as I'm being as I'm being killed. closed in on. I don't want eight of them to be snapping some shots of my <laughs> horrified face. Mind your business. <laughs> and so the whole, I think for the first hour and twenty minutes of this movie, all of us were like agreeing that the camera shot, like weirdos taking pictures, looked cool, but none of us knew why. Right. We all just kind of figured, oh, because it looks creepy. And then it's all revealed that they take pictures of these victims so the coroner can then recreate them how they looked. Mm-hmm. And the final uh, the final breakdown of the movie, the guy shows up to the coroner's lab, and the coroner has all these film projectors set up that's showing all these movies that were taken of all the other murders and how everybody else became one of the members of the town. And they're playing on, like, every available wall space in yeah, his little laboratory. Visual. it's visual. The visuals look insane. Yeah. But that one video of his wife is horrifying. Mm-hmm. That's, like, as scary as the video in The Ring. And that definitely, yeah, there's there's even, uh, I think we were making comparisons to, like, Wicker Man and stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's very cult-like. Very Wicker Man. Very and, cult. Um, but yeah, I and I also want to say give it up to James Farentino for his performance as the sheriff because yeah. he does this great thing where he really kind of loses it at the end and he's kind of yelping and kind of has this just weakness where yeah. he's kind of he's realizing worn, he's rubbed down. It really, yeah, that, I, I he doesn't know what to believe of, or understand. I, th- I think the hardest thing to do in a in a horror movie is to be properly freaked out. Yeah. As an actor, um, <laughs> and to just have have that moment where you kind of lose all grasp with reality, it it's really easy to cross into without uh, being like, like melodramatic or, or yeah, over the top. It can be like, really like risable. It can it be risable. You can look like a goof. Yeah, be like, oh my god, and then <laughs> it's getting a laughter reaction instead of like a oh yeah, this guy's been driven crazy every two weeks. For yes. who knows how many years. Yeah. He's being sent on these missions that always end with him horrified at what he <laughs> finds and then not remembering any of it. Yeah. But this that's true. this video is so creepy because it's shot as if you're one of these cult members who's mm-hmm. filming mm-hmm. these murders. And so you just see this black and white video and it's like of a man and a woman in bed. In their having relations, they're being intimate. Yeah, yeah, like but, they were, like they would have been on vacation or something. Yeah, it looks like a beachside home, and then the so, it's, but the guy is just standing right over them recording, and it's just like, yeah. what is this? What's this camera doing here? And he starts <laughs> panning around the room, and you start seeing these members of the town who you've seen committing murders, like peeking in through the windows, hiding in the closet, yes. coming in through the door, and then you see the woman underneath, man on top. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you see her reaching up with a knife to like murder this guy. And then the body rolls off of her. And that's when it's revealed. Oh, it's the sheriff's wife. She's right. in on this She's whole the thing. One who kills. Yeah. And then of course, then it's revealed by this coroner. The person that she murdered was the sheriff. And that's when he realizes he's dead. And the whole thing's a mind fuck. It's, yeah. it's, it, the whole thing is written and unraveled way better than this kind of budget usually gets. Right. And Agreed. I think it was Dan O'Bannon that wrote this? Well, or, what, I'm reading, it, or? what I'm reading is that um, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shushit 
have the screenplay credit. Shushit, also uh, a writer on Alien. Oh, right. With I think Bannon. the Blu-ray said, like, from the and, from and the yeah, guys who like brought the, you Alien. The, the posters something. and stuff all say from the creators of Alien. There we go. But what I'm reading on the trivia says that uh, O'Bannon really didn't have much in, to do with it. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that was more of, like, they had to use his name to get the money to... Mm-hmm. His, his, his name would carry a lot more than that's like the uh so i'm just like i remember i'm I'm looking at the imdb here it says upon seeing the finished film o'bannon realized that shushit hadn't included his material but it was too late for him to take the name off the credits (laughs) kind of thing so it was he uh, had had written stuff but they it didn't get used or whatever but they put his name that was like lustig told us when he did like like larry cohen came up with the concept of maniac cop right and then lustig wrote the entire movie but since it was Larry Cohen's idea and he had some sway, then all three Maniac Cop movies were written by Larry Cohen. Yes. Just because it was, you know, well, it was his idea, his, technically. his character, his intellectual property. Yeah. 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 And then some other guy, Lustig's filling in the other 90 minutes. Oh, and I got to say, Jack Albertson's final theatrical film, apparently, the uh, Grandpa Joe was dying himself so we ended up watching so apparently gary sherman has mm. a knack for hiring actors he gets it in the final phases the of final life. was this his was this literally his last movie it said it said this was jack albertson's final theatrical film he filmed another made for tv movie the same year uh can uh suffering from cancer all through filming he passed away a few months after the movie's release he lived long enough to see it at its world premiere in hollywood wait he had cancer throughout dead and buried says through filming wow yeah because he has i mean like you said uh james farantino really carries this because he has to he's the voice of reason yeah throughout the whole 90 minutes he's and the guy he's, that you're related your to. emotional anchor and, Ex- yeah. exactly and he's great and but this uh jack albertson role is equally as important yeah because he's as i said so good about blurring those lines about being is he good? Is he bad? I kept jumping out literally back and forth until the final reveal. Mm-hmm. I assumed, and it, I think even over an hour in, out loud, I stayed like, oh, well, he's definitely with yeah, us. It was going back and forth. Like, he is definitely on our side, because why else would he have said this? And then it's revealed, oh, he's saying whatever he wants, because he's controlling, <laughs> he knows their memories. the puppet master. Yeah. Pull it's, the strings. I was not expecting a puppet master type scenario. Yeah. I, I basically could not recommend awesome. Dead and Buried more. Guys, it, it was see a, it. We, we just spoiled the whole ending. We spoiled but it all. I hope, you didn't, I hope you didn't listen. Even if you did, I can't imagine... It won't ruin the movie. It's not going to make the movie any less good. It'll just change the experience a little yeah. bit. But it was a totally different movie than I thought. Because I always thought, oh, it's a zombie movie. Great. I like zombie movies. Cool. Right. It Another was so, 80s zombie movie. Yeah. It's an 80s zombie movie that I haven't seen. We're going to get some cool gore. We're going to get some cool makeup. That's yeah. about what I went in expecting. It was, on a psychological level, so much more than that. There you go. So I could not recommend it enough. It's uh, it's on your Amazon Prime right now. Go watch Is it. Is it? Yeah. There you go. It's free to watch. D&B. Get it. All right. Until Stay next here. time. Until next time. Right? Love it. Good night. <laughs>